Hey, everybody, welcome into the MLB Extras Yankees podcast, the first of 2019. Tim McMaster here, along with our Yankees reporter, Brian Hogue. Brian, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Tim, and to everybody out there. Thank you very much. All right, we're going to get to, obviously, the latest on Machado and maybe less so Harper and what the Yankees need to do for the rest of this hot stove season and also news this week, also with Troy Tulowitzki. But first, let's talk New Year's, New Year's resolution. Brian, if you were the New York Yankees, what would you make your 2019 New Year's resolution? I know what their New Year's resolution is because Hal Steinbrenner said it about a month and a half ago. He didn't term it a New Year's resolution, but he said, essentially, they have to stay out of that wild card game. He's tired of playing in a one-game playoff and putting their season on the line for nine innings. So uh, if I were the Yankees, uh, that would be my New Year's resolution. No more wild card games in 2019. You got to win the division. And uh, to do that, they're going to have to take it back from the Boston Red Sox. So uh, a tall order, but those are the marching orders from upstairs. So I think that would be the New Year's resolution. The good news is they appear to have the team that is preparing itself to do just that. Obviously, still some work to be done, maybe some big chips along the way. Before we get to the latest on Machado, let's talk about the shortstop that the Yankees have signed this hot stove season, and that is Troy Tulowitzki. Uh, this seemed like... If Tulo could have just picked a team that he's always wanted to play for, it was the Yankees. Now he had his opportunity, and he's taking it, right? This is a guy who has always been an enormous Derek Jeter fan, and he's going to get to put the pinstripes on. Yeah, I think so. I think part of it is that he's always wanted to kind of fulfill this dream. He grew up rooting for Jeter. I mean, he's a guy who wore Jeter's driven cologne and wears number two in his honor. So uh, I think that was part of it. Uh, there were certainly – a lot of interested teams out there in Tulowitzki generate a lot of interest. Uh, I, I think a big part of that is the fact that the Blue Jays are picking up the majority of that money, and he's coming cheap. I mean, there's no risk there. There's no downside, really. If if Tulo's got nothing left in the tank, you just cut him loose and let him go. But I, I think he's going to come into spring training motivated. Uh, as we said, this was always a dream of his. Uh, there was a lot of speculation that he would be the guy to follow Jeter, uh, after Derek's final year in 2014, of course, the Yankees went and made the trade for Didi Gregorius with Arizona. But uh, here we are. It probably would have been a much more exciting move for Yankee fans if they were able to do this four or five years ago to bring in Tulowitzki. He's kind of taken a step back. Uh, his offense is not what it was. The defense, you know, you talk to people around the game and they say it's still there. Um, so I, I think the, the key is we just haven't seen it. He hasn't played in a major league game in more than a year. And uh, but he's going to come into spring training ready to go. I'm sure that the Yankees have given him some assurances that he will get a chance to play shortstop for them. Otherwise, he wouldn't have picked it. Um, you know, if if they do wind up getting Machado, say, Tulowitzki might transition into a bench role of some sort, you know, similar to what Neil Walker did last year. So there's a lot of opportunities for him to rebuild his value and and make an impact on this 2019 Yankee team. I think it'll be good for him to not be playing on turf anymore, playing on grass at Yankee Stadium. I think that took a toll on him with the Blue Jays. He won't be wearing number two, obviously, with the Yankees because Derek Jeter's number two has been retired. So he added a one to the front, and I guess he's going to wear number 12. You mentioned that he is cheap. Um, they had to have had conversations with him, and it sounds like they actually also made everything clear with Machado, right? That, hey, we signed Troy to Lewitsky, but uh, we, we still want you. 
That was one of the reports that was out there this week okay. is that uh, the Yankees gave Machado's camp a heads up uh, that they were going to make this Tulowitzki deal. And, uh, you know, the Yankees were one of 11 teams that went and took a look at um, Tulowitzki out there in California uh, around the time of the winter meetings. And so uh, the, the workout clearly went good and well enough that the Yankees had interest. Um, I, I think there's been clear lines of communication between the Yankees and Machado now for weeks. Dan Lozano and Brian Cashman have been Speaking about this in, in general terms, I think both sides are aware of the, the interest, the mutual interest there. The Yankees clearly have interest in Machado. They hosted him at Yankee Stadium. You know, the Phillies and White Sox also did. But, um, you know, you, you keep hearing around the game that Machado's first choice would be to play for the Yankees. It's been years in the making. And so the Yankees might not have the, the top offer on the table. I'm not sure if they're going to go to 10 years and 300 million, say. I, I think that's a level they're going to try and stay away from. But, They've made it clear they're very interested in having Manny Machado wear their uniform. Yeah, it seems like this could really come down to how badly does Manny Machado want to be a Yankee? Because you mentioned it that, you know, if the White Sox and Phillies go to 10 years and the Yankees only go to seven, maybe push it to eight, that's that's going to be a big difference as far as the, the total number at the end of this contract. But if he really wants to be a Yankee, I mean... There's only so much money you can spend in your life and your kids' lives and their kids' lives, and, you know, down the road it goes. So there's also been some mixed uh, reports out of Chicago this week as far as how long they're willing to go, right? Jeff Passan reported that the White Sox were ready to go 10 years, uh, but then Bruce Levine out of radio in Chicago out of uh, 670 The Score saying that that was completely false and they only wanted to go seven as well. And then um, report today, Bob Nightingale tweeting that they are the one team that has actually made an official offer so far to Machado. So I don't know, you know, what the truth is, what isn't the truth, but it seemed like going into the new year that this was going to get done while in 2019, it wasn't going to linger too long. Do you still get that feeling that this is going to be wrapped up and figured out sooner rather than later? Well, I think that all of the teams in the majors would like to have that because I feel like in a lot of ways it's holding up other players. Uh, I don't think a lot of the other names are going to come off the board here until people find out where Machado is going and, and what he's going to make. Um, you know, Just to go back to the contract stuff you were just talking about, I think the one idea that people haven't been talking much about is, yeah, we can talk about seven, eight, nine, ten years, but if there's an opt-out clause in that contract that would allow Machado to say – become a free agent again at age 29 or 30, you know, that might be a difference maker. I think the, you know, the Yankees could do something like that where say they offer him, you know, he wants to get $30 million a year. Let's say, say you give it to him, but he can opt out after year three or year four. That might be enough. That might be enough to get the deal done. And then um, who knows where player salaries are going to go there. But if he continues to be the same kind of um, dynamic player, consistent player, this is a guy who plays 150-plus games every year, if he stays healthy and keeps putting up those numbers, he's going to get paid no matter what. So that might be a way that he can get his money up front. The team doesn't feel like they're locked into a 10-year deal. You know the Yankees didn't feel comfortable doing that with Robinson Cano. Uh, you roll the clock back. And uh, in a lot of ways, I, I feel there's some similarities there. Uh, between this and the Cano deal, and they maxed out at seven years. Uh, they let him go to Seattle, uh, then turned around and gave that seven years to Jacoby Ellsbury, so oops. But uh, still, I, I think that that might be a way to go that both sides can get what they want out of this deal and, and put Machado in, in pinstripes for 2019. 
opt-outs have become all the rage in baseball. You think about last year and J.D. Martinez with the Red Sox, an opt-out after just the second year of his deal. Granted, it's a shorter deal because he's an older player when it was signed, but they have certainly become something that can kind of help level the playing field, like you said, between different types and lengths of contracts. One more thing on Machado that we should mention, and that is the uh, – the Yes Network Instagram controversy, I guess, that Machado started following Yes Network on Instagram, and then there was a big hubbub about it, and, and does this mean he's going to be a Yankee, and then he quickly unfollowed them. Anything to take from that, I guess, little stretch of, this is just kind of the world we live in, I guess, Brian, but do you take anything from that? I, I take two things from it. First of all, I think he likes to toy with people. Um, you know, I remember he liked a picture on Instagram that had him kind of photoshopped into pinstripes. And this was, I think, before he wound up with the Dodgers. So I think he, he likes messing with people, I think. Um, and and se- the second thing I take from it is who is looking at the list of people that Manny Machado follows? Now, how do people find this out? every single day so quickly because i think it happened within a matter of hours if i if my understanding is correct so i don't know who notices this stuff um but you know i'm glad that somebody's keeping track of it because then they can clue the rest of us in but i I don't read a ton into it um you know i follow the yes network too but i don't think they're going to offer me a contract to to play for the yankees so we'll see um i I think that uh it would have been interesting if he followed comcast say in philadelphia and then uh you know the score as you mentioned in chicago the radio station uh, maybe he could have just placed his bets all across the board there and kind of fill up the media landscape that way. <laughs> Social media always giving us a little extra with every story for sure. All right, let's talk about what's left for the Yankees to do outside of a big signing of Machado. Um, one of those things is to add bullpen parts. Obviously, Zach Britton is a free agent. Dave Robertson was a free agent, although it seems like that is no longer the case as Robertson has come to an agreement uh, with the Phillies. So that's one more possible returner that won't be returning to the Yankees. So does that mean that they go harder to bring back Britain, or what What direction do they go to fill out that bullpen now? I still think Adam Adovino is a guy that really entrances the Yankees. He's a Brooklyn-born guy, a New York City product. It throws hard. He's a high strikeout guy. I, I think he checks a lot of the boxes for the Yankees. And, um, you know, they're, they're not going to want to pay, I think, what Zach Britton's going to get on the open market. I think they're going to try and fill those roles, especially if they wind up getting Machado. I, I think they're going to go a little more cost-effective there. They're not going to want to pay quote-unquote closer money for a guy who is not going to be a closer. Um, they can't offer that, uh, not with a role to Chapman there. But I think they, they still do have a power bullpen. Uh, you got Chad Green. You've got Dylan Batances coming back. If you can add an Ottavino type or, you know, perhaps I, I suppose Britain's still in play, but I, I think that uh, it seems more likely Ottavino is meant to happen. And uh, he's somebody that the Yankees spoke to at the winter meetings. I, I think that's still on the front burner right now while they wait for to see how things are going to go with Machado. Um, I, I, that would be the next chip that I expect is going to fall for the Yankees is uh, to address that bullpen now that they seem to have the starting five set in the rotation, depending on uh, CC Sabathia's health. And they have more than five because as of right now, Sonny Gray is still a part of that team, although it's been very clear for a long time now, Brian, that the Yankees don't want him to be part of the team uh, when that comes around. So, how far along is that? Is there much talk about teams being interested in Sonny Gray? Do you think the Yankees at some point are going to have to lower their demands? Uh, I, there is a lot of talk about teams being interested in Sonny Gray. You know, I think more than a third of the league has expressed interest uh, on some level. And, 
Uh, you hear from the Yankees that there are major league packages out there for for Sonny Gray and minor league packages, top prospects as well. And, you know, some of what we know about what the Yankees have asked for, they asked Cincinnati for Taylor Trammell, who is their top outfield prospect. So the Yankees clearly think they can get something substantial for Sonny Gray. This is not a situation where they're going to sell him off for two cents on the dollar. Uh, they, they do believe that if you give Sonny Gray a change of scenery, put him in a different ballpark that is not called Yankee Stadium, and let him pitch for a full season, make his 30-32 starts, he's going to bounce back and be closer to the guy that was in Oakland. And, you know, he'll be motivated. He's in walk year of a contract. He's going to want to get paid as well. So I, I think there's a lot of reasons why a team would be interested in Sonny Gray. There's also a lot of reasons why the Yankees – don't necessarily have to move Sonny Gray right now. Look, uh, they could, I think we've talked about this before, they could bring him to spring training and have all of us uh, circling around his locker and say, hey, when do you think you're going to get traded? Uh, that's not the, the ideal situation, I think, for anybody. I think ideally you move him before February 13 when Yankees pitchers and catchers are due in Tampa, but you don't necessarily have to. And I think as these starting pitchers continue to come off the board here in free agency, uh, look, I guess Dallas Keuchel is still the best one out there. But if you can go get Sonny Gray, um, you know, for, for a team and plug him in as your two, your three, your four starter, you feel better about your chances. He can definitely help a team get better in 2019. And so uh, while it, it, for whatever reason, it doesn't seem to be happening with the Yankees, I would not bet against a bounce back year for Sonny Gray somewhere else in 2019. Brian, you have a new inbox out on Yankees.com uh, today, I think. It, it hit the site. And in, one interesting question in there was about um, the catcher position and, and Gary Sanchez and his defense. And you bring up a good point that this is a guy that obviously the team would love to work on his defense and get better at the defense. But because of the shoulder surgery, that's kind of affected what he's been able to do this offseason. Yeah, he can't do a whole lot right now, but the good news is it's not his throwing shoulder. And so that power arm that really just uh, cuts down a running game should not be affected. I, I do suspect a, the surgery or the injury to his shoulder bothered him more offensively than it did defensively. Um, you know, a lot of what you get into with Gary Sanchez is people want to talk about his defense and you can crush him for the pass balls and, and not blocking balls and the wild pitches that get by him. And I think that's all valid, but uh, Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone both make good points. They talk about his game calling, his pitch framing, um, the way he can shut down a running game, as I mentioned, you know, the Yankees do have relievers who are slow to the plate, particularly Dylan Batances. Um, Sanchez kind of neutralizes that running game in a lot of ways. So, uh, I mean, defensively, he is an impact player. He still is, uh, despite the fact that the blocking is substandard. And obviously, look, you know, nobody likes watching Gary Sanchez run to the backstop to go get a ball. It's frustrating for, uh, I think, for the pitching staff, for the manager, the coaches, I mean, the fans. Uh, that's not what you want to see. But what you do want to see is you want to see Gary Sanchez throwing out guys at second base with rockets. You want to see him hitting a ball over the green monster. And uh, if he can get back to being the player he was in 2017, I, I think you live with that and just hope that it incrementally improves from year to year. Um, but I think it's always going to be an issue for him. It's going to be something he needs to work on. And, uh, you know, he's going to be challenged to do it again here coming up this spring. Fans would rather see him run to the backstop than walk to the backstop, though, I will say. <laughs> yeah, uh, one better. more thing on. <laughs> um, it seems to me, when you think about his shortcomings defensively, it's not even necessarily something he can work on as much as it may be in-game focus to me because it's, it's just not getting down on a ball or, or that kind of thing. And, and maybe, I don't want to use the word laziness. I, it's just... 
maybe not being completely focused 100% of the time when back there. Well, here's what I would say about Gary. You know, the Yankees know this guy better than anybody. They they scouted him at 15 years old in the Dominican and uh, signed him at 16, gave him $3 million back in 2009. To, so they, they know this guy inside and out. And if they're banking on that this is their guy, this is their catcher, the guy they want to build around, then I think they see things that, you know, uh, they see progress here. I remember talking to... Josh Paul, who was uh, Sanchez's first manager in Staten Island when he first became a pro and came stateside, and he couldn't catch a fastball down the middle, they said. Uh, so he is he's improved. Uh, I just don't think it's going to come naturally. I know he's spoken to Pudge Rodriguez a little bit, and man, wouldn't wouldn't you like some of that to rub off if you're uh, Gary Sanchez to, to have that kind of defensive ability? But, you know, the Yankees have lived with catchers before cashman has compared gary sanchez to jorge posada in that way he was he was a guy that some of the guys didn't love throwing to him all the time and and sometimes he would hurt them defensively but when you were in a big spot and posada got a big hit uh you know you, suddenly you forget about any kind of defensive shortcomings that came you know across town mike piazza was the same way everybody wanted to kill him for his throwing but there were other parts of his game that were good too so you're, you're never going to be the perfect defensive catcher and even if you were if you were above the board great defensively you know maybe the offense is a problem so you can't win uh, I, I think there's always going to be something that gary can work on and uh, clearly ball blocking this year is going to be a focus we'll see if he can improve i think it's going to be a challenge for him but um you know i think there's ways he can make up for it too All right. Great stuff as always, Brian. You can follow Brian on Twitter at Brian Hoke. I'm there at MLB underscore McMaster. You can find all of the MLB Extras Club Podcast at MLB.com backslash podcast or on Google Play and Apple Podcast as well. Thanks to our producer, Marissa Morris. For Brian, I'm Tim McMaster. Thanks for listening.